I invite you to become aware of God's loving presence. He is here. And the words that I'm about to read may have not been written to this church. It is written for this church in this day. The new heaven and the new earth from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And he also said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. The word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we are grateful to be here today. Whether we're in person or virtually, we're, we're gathered as your people with open hearts and open minds to what you have for us. Thank you for this passage from Revelations that speaks of a, of a future, but a now as well. So God, help us to grasp all that you intend for us and all that that means. For we pray this in your name. Amen. This 85-year-old couple had been married for almost 60 years. They died in a car crash. They had been in good health for the last 10 years, mainly due to the interest in health, food, and exercise. When they reached the pearly gates, St. Peter took them to their mansion, promised in Scripture. It was decked out. It had a beautiful kitchen, a huge bath suite, and a jacuzzi. As they oohed and awed, the old man asked St. Peter, how much is this going to cost? <laughs> it's free. Peter replied, it's heaven. Next they surveyed the championship golf course. Of course, this is my heaven now. That the home backed up to. They would have golfing privileges every day, and each week the course changed to a new one representing the great golf courses of the world. It's heaven. The old man asked, how much are the green fees? Peter replied, it's heaven. You play for free. Then they went to the clubhouse, and they saw this lavish buffet, this lunch that was the cuisines of the world laid out. How much to eat? The man asked. It's free. Don't you understand yet? This is heaven. It's free. 
Peter replied with some now uh, aspiration. Well, well, where's the low-fat and low-cholesterol tables? The old man said timidly. Peter lectured, that's the best part. You can eat as much as you like and whatever you like, and you never get fat and you never get sick. This is heaven. With that, the old man went into a fit of anger. Throwing down his hat, and he stomped on it, shrieking wildly. Peter and his wife tried to calm him down, asking him, what's wrong? The old man looked at his wife and said, this is all your fault. If it weren't for your blasted bran muffins, we could have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> did see that coming, did you? Heaven. We only talk about it or think about it when someone dies. Heaven often seems surreal, something left for the hereafter, or as we used to say, the great by and by. Meaning, not something for now, but for later on. Something to think about maybe when we get older. Heaven can, my friends, heaven can and should be so much more than that. Heaven is that place of a new everything. Heaven is that place of a new everything. But what if we began working toward that new everything here and now? What a blessing we could be. What a testimony of God's goodness we would be. Yesterday, we had a memorial service here in this meeting house for Greg Anderson. Next week, we'll bury the grandson of Alita Tysver, the son of Tim and Victoria Mertz. The following week, we will celebrate the life of Dottie Thompson and entrust her to God's care. We talk about death around here a fair amount. From the perspective of faith, we have the opportunity to recognize out of profound sadness and grief, there can be a real hope. Not a wishful hope that at times we can muster, but a real hope that comes in the promise of eternal life that God has given us in Jesus, here and now, but truly, one day forever. As people of God know, in Jesus our lives have a purpose. Yes, an eventual end, but a purpose now. And if our faith is not in vain, a God-filled destination. Most Christians believe all of life is headed towards something. And that something we call heaven. Our passage today suggests that there will be a moment when this world ends and a new world, heaven, begins. Our beliefs and the glimpses in Scripture about heaven are, designed to, are not designed to satisfy our curiosity of the future because they fall short. But they're there to comfort us in this life. That in our comfort, we might feel renewed, refreshed, able to face the challenges that do come. 
The comfort comes in God's promises, like we find in the famous 23rd Psalm, that last bit. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Comforting, encouraging, hopeful words. Being in God's presence meant everything to King David, the author of the 23rd Psalm. David could picture himself as a permanent resident in God's house, basking in God's constant goodness, love, and care daily. And because death held the promise of eternal life in God's heavenly kingdom, David looked forward to the intimate, never-ending fellowship of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. What we want and need is hope, don't we? What we want and need is hope and confidence in our future. Many people of faith carry concerns about that. For centuries, the church has believed that the book of Revelation can clarify these insecurities because it talks about heaven and it offers a glimpse into the future. In John's revelation, we are reminded it's about here and now and the great by and by. Yes, revelation points us to that grand making all things new that God will do one day in history. But it's also about here and now. That we need to be earthly conscious as we're heavenly bound. We read only five verses from the 21st chapter of Revelations. But we really can't talk about heaven without keeping all three of the final chapters of Revelation in mind. I encourage you to open up your Bibles and read chapters 20, 21, 22. They're a commentary of the hope that we have. The Apostle John glimpses behind the veil of eternity to offer us hope, a future hope and a hope now. But I didn't think you'd hang in there if we read three chapters this morning. So we just gave you a taste. The Bible's authors suggest that heaven is for here and now, as well as the by and by. In my reflections on our scripture and my wonderings about eternity, as I prepare for memorial services, I land again and again on a few discoveries. I wonder if they could or should make a difference in our lives today. First of all, I believe because the Bible has declared that heaven is real. I choose to believe. I choose to believe that this is not the end, but there is a whole new beginning, a presence with God forever. Unfortunately, through bad theology and terrible cultural representations, heaven is, is met with some bad press. We come to see heaven as sitting on a cloud wearing a halo with little angels playing harps as they float around. Others see it as a never-ending church service or singing hymns for all eternity. 
Like my opening story, some think of it as a celestial retirement center. No wonder, no wonder many people see heaven as a, a place of numbing boredom or secretly saying to themselves, is that all there's going to be there? Heaven is not some ethereal existence where we float about as spirits without bodies. Why would God take the trouble to create a new earth if there was no one to live on it? Why would we give new bodies if we were not going to live in a material world of some sort? Heaven is the real world, an authentic place coming down to us, the scripture declare. Heaven is a place with real meaning and rewarding work for us to do. Heaven is the fulfillment of what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. That kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, the old world will pass away, but God will create a new existence. A whole new everything. But what if we were about creating a new thing here? What if we decided that as we stand on the shoulders of those that we have been passed the torch to, that we decide that we're going to learn from the choices and the mistakes that have been made, to celebrate the successes and the advances we make, and together create a new thing. For you and for me and for brothers and sisters around the world that we don't even know. What if that meaningful work that we do here would be a representation of the work that we'll do there? Offer and theologian Dallas Willard assures us the life we now have as the persons we now are will continue in the universe in which we now exist. It will be a strange apparition. It will not be a strange apparition, but the real world we have known only new and better. We don't know for sure. Why not choose to believe? Poet T.S. Eliot wrote, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all our exploring. We will be arrived where we started and know the place for the first time. What does this suggest about our life now? It indicates that the church's work, yours and mine, is to make heaven appear in the here and now. Maybe only in glimpses, but glimpses. Yes, it is lovely what it will be. But our task as a church is to strive for its reality now. To create through our actions for all to see a glimpse of what it is to come. And this will take all of us and all of us if the world is to take notice. Also our passage for today suggests that heaven will be all about relationships. I've been reminded time and time again through the memorial service of this church and the relational nature of heaven. It's in those services that we think about those that have gone now before us. And we look with an anticipation and expectation to that reunion that hopefully awaits us. Where is that hope? Where does it come from? Does God inspire that by the power of God's spirit to give us a hope for that world to come, but also in this world? The hope that we can have that 
This is not the end. But there's a whole new beginning set before us. As I was thinking about this passage and this word this day, I remember the song by Eric Clapton, who lost his son, Connor, after he fell from a window in their apartment. Eric Clapton poured out his grief in song and wrote Tears in Heaven. Do you remember that song? In the song, Clapton asks, Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Would it be the same if I saw you in heaven? In the midst of his grief, pondering and wondering. But it's not just Eric Clapton, it's us. It's a question to which many of us would like an answer. I believe our relationships will not be lost. I believe we will experience these relations at a level we have never known before. Why couldn't deep, rewarding, fulfilling relationships be the hallmark of heaven? And if that's the case, shouldn't deep, rewarding, fulfilling relationships be the hallmark of this world as well? Shouldn't we be practicing what we will be experiencing for all eternity? Now we let each other down and disappoint each other. Many times without knowing it, we hurt each other and we fail each other. But as the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, then we will be changed. In a flash, in a twinkle of an eye, we will be changed. There will be a transformation that will happen as we cross into glory. 1 John 3 says, Beloved, we are called God's children now. What we will be has not been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him. It's talking about Jesus. That we'll be like Jesus as we cross over. It appears to me we will be entirely changed and now capable of the relationships that we can't even imagine now, but yet we can strive for. I hope so. But if we long for that, shouldn't we strive for that now? Is this not part of God's invitation to fulfill here and now as a testimony of God's presence in us to the world that's watching? Isn't that why we are called to the work of reconciliation, true reconciliation, to truly be reconciled with one another? We have no excuse. Heaven is also about relationships because we'll be with Jesus there. For all the hope of seeing others who have gone before us, there is a reality that we will have a new relationship with Jesus. As I said yesterday at Greg Anderson's memorial, in heaven it will no longer be a relationship of faith, but of sight. We won't have to choose to believe. We will know for certain. How great does that sound? I'm reminded of the words we often read from John's gospel at memorials. 
In God's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus says. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. More than Jesus being there, heaven is the place God is. So our relationship with God will be forever changed. That which we have to imagine will be now understood. No more will our love for God be compromised by selfish love for ourselves or the fascination of things of this world. Our love for God and our relationship with God will be as first intended. There will be nothing between us, no separation. Our imperfect nature will be gone and we will no longer struggle with it. We'll have that relationship God desires. Our relationship with God will be so intimate that John describes it as a wedding couple, full of love and passion with arms wide open. Heaven is ultimately about God. God who is with us. But church, do you remember that heaven has already come to us? It began in the story we'll tell again this Advent season. Our Advent theme this year is God with us. The transformation of the world started with Jesus continuing through the resurrection and now lives and works through us. All of us, all of us, by the power of God's Spirit. John professed in our passage today, he, God, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. John echoes the deep transition the deep tradition of the Jewish people as proclaimed by the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Friends, this is the vision God has entrusted to us. It's the vision all of us can work for in this life. And even as we work in the here and now, we know its fulfillment lies ultimately in the future. Yet it says, again as we read at Greg's service yesterday, in 2 Timothy, we keep running the race. We keep running the race. How? As if we're trying to win before the race is over. Lastly, some of you have read the Chronicles of Narnia. In C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, the characters who have lived in Narnia have completed their time and work there. In the closing chapter of Book 7, The Last Battle, entitled Further Up and Further In, Aslan, the lion who represents Jesus, comes for them to take them home. They are headed away from Narnia, and are about to enter Aslan's land, where they are met with a familiar scene. One of the characters, characters cries out, 
I have come home at last. This is my real country. I never knew it till then. This is the land I have been looking for all my life. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looks a little like this. Did you get that? When we enter heaven, we will say those same words. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. We love the old earth, the old earth so much because it sometimes looked like this, the new earth. It will be a new earth, restored and liberated. It will be the place where we were always meant to live. Heaven will be the culmination of the mission of Jesus and the one given to us to follow. Church, this is a mission we can choose to believe is possible. Can't we? So I have one last question. For me and for you. Where in this world can we deliberately create a piece of heaven for another? Let's pray. God, we are grateful that we have glimpses of heaven. It makes our grief bearable as we entrust those who have gone on to that place where you welcome them and the place where you will welcome us. But God, thank you for this reminder, this clarity that we aren't just sitting around waiting for that day to come, that we have purpose, that you have intentions, that we need to be your people in this world. We need to carry out the good work we'll experience in heaven now as we love and accept and engage and bear witness to the hope we have in you. Help us as the church, as your followers, to create heaven wherever we go. For we pray this in your name. And all God's people said,